0: to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, John shares his path from a non-target university to his current job in real estate private equity in South Florida. Learn how he was able to land his first internship in M&A, how he managed to transition an internship role into a full-time offer for a family office post-graduation, and what he did when he was fired three months later. Listen to hear what saved John countless times when his career could have taken a very different turn for the worse. Enjoy. All right, John, welcome to the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Patrick. It'd be awesome if you could just give the listeners a short summary of your bio.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, So uh, originally from Connecticut, uh, went to school down in South Florida. Uh, a school called Lynn University. I first started out not really having any clue of finance or anything. There's not, it's not a finance school, but luckily I had a couple of friends that were interested in business and all that. And we slowly started to kind of progress into that, started an investment club together, turned it into an investment fund, competed in some finance competitions. Um, And eventually, you know, kind of had a mentor um, who hired me at a family office. you know, who kind of told me what investment banking was. So it wasn't until I'd really graduated that I, I knew what really the world of finance looked like. So you know, my first job out of school, as I was saying, is was at a family office, um, learned about banking. And, you know, from there, you know, found my way into it. Um, I was hired at a boutique bank in South Florida uh, mm-hmm. where I worked on natural resources, uh, transactions, you know, M&A, equity and debt, uh, and other advisory work um, kind of, Like the buy side more, you know, from my days at the family office, and eventually, you know, like many others, tried to progress that that way, and ended up at Blue Arch Capital, um, you know, where I'm doing real estate private equity now. Awesome.
0: Let's start all the way back at. uh, You said you're from Connecticut. Why? Why did you end up at school all the way down in um, in Florida and Lynn and in Lynn in particular? And what was the thought process? Was like family pushing you to go there? What situations?
1: my parents wanted an early retirement. So they said, you know, we want a family down there now. So you go down there. We will, we will come down soon. No, I, you know, I had a bunch of friends from my area uh, in Connecticut, go to school down at this university and others mm-hmm. um, nearby. So I didn't feel like it was that far of a jump even though it was those couple hour plane ride. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it really didn't feel that far for me. So I, I had, I did have some family ties down here I had grandparents who had a, uh, down here so i've been down here so mm-hmm. it felt close uh but i didn't pick the school for merit uh you know the school i went to is it was a very fun school social uh,
0: yeah what was your thought process in high school kind of leading up to what school you would go to did like was there you said like you didn't even know what investment banking was but was there some kind of idea of like finance because i saw you majored, majored in like investment management and stuff so was it family in the business at all was it you know no.
1: No, I, my dad's an architect and a mm-hmm. project manager for renovations, uh, home renovations, and my mom owns a printing and mailing company, so very far from finance. No one in my family's professional services, more teachers than lawyers in the family. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, for me, like, uh, you know, business was really, I saw it through an entrepreneurial lens, like both my parents were business owners, my grandfather was business owner, like uncles were business owners, like all small businesses. And so yeah. that's really like, yeah. the lens I had growing up. But you know, as far as why... Did you want to be, like, your own business owner eventually? Were you thinking... <laughs> I have it imprinted in my head that, you know, one day I need to be my own boss. So, yeah. you know, I'll figure out how that works. But, uh, you know, in, in investments, you're never really a boss, I guess. You're always reporting to somebody.
0: So your parents are kind of, like, doing their own thing. Um, they're like, why don't you go down to Florida? There, You had a couple friends, family friends who had gone to Lynn. And so you're down there. You're having a great time, obviously. But is there... Like at what point were you like, hey, I need to get an internship or you said you had a mentor. But was that later on after you graduated?
1: Like when did you get this mentor that kind of started? Yeah. So, you know, I, the mentor I got was really at, you know, once I had my first internship or second internship technically, but like first real internship. Um, well, let's talk
0: about that. Like summer, freshman summer, what happened?
1: Oh, okay. freshman summer, I was coaching sailing and like, yeah. I was living on a boat and, you know, uh, anyways, I, I was having more fun than I could do with. Um, I, I did that for a couple Florida. summers actually. So, you know, it wasn't, uh, you know, I didn't know that there were such things as like a in, in like a inter- internship, you know, between your freshman sophomores sophomore or sophomore and junior. I was, mm-hmm. It didn't occur to me until I was a junior in college that um, I needed like an internship experience. My first like interview that I pursued was for Northwestern Mutual I wanted to be in I, I wanted to be in investments I, I don't know it just had struck me I'd, I'd followed stocks in the past and mm-hmm. watched Jim Kramer and and all of that but uh you know so I, I I applied to Northwestern Mutual I got a job offer and I talked to like four people and they're like yeah we're not buying insurance from you though <laughs> we like you and so I, I didn't go that route um, you know, very quickly uh, you know for my personality, people recommended that I didn't do it. So, um, you know, I, I actually, there was a professor at the school who's uh, family-owned. There's, there, there's a
0: lot of people who kind of end up in that, realm, in the Northwestern Mutual kind of umbrella where they're selling, end up selling insurance to their own family or like Cutco in the summer <laughs> because they don't know what, to, what else to do. Um, tell me about yeah, like, well, it, how did you get away from that? Because it looks like you did get some sort of relevant internship. Was that your junior year?
1: Yeah. So how did you, I how how did you land in- that?
0: Like, how is that even possible without knowing? Like, Because it was it was in some it said M&A on it. So did
1: you- yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, by that point, I had passed on Northwestern. I'd started an investment club and like had talked to a couple of people in finance and all that and kind of built my relationships on the faculty of the school more. And one of the professors there, his parents uh, or his dad was the founder of this firm. And you know, just vis vis-a-vis the networking, you know, there was a you know a local partner um, that you know I could get some time with, and uh, it, I would say it wasn't necessarily like a full blown internship. It was more like apprenticeship, you know, like like you know, I worked directly with the, you know a partner at the firm and did whatever, and he kind of just spent more time mentoring me than I spent in helping him. So it was did more you, of a fun. Day.
0: Did you actually? Um... Do any modeling or any valuation, any sort of work at all like
1: no not like that? not really I mean his idea of valuations was yeah it's 10 times EBITDA that yeah. was the entire his entire thing he would just you know it's you know he'd look at a number he would say here's the three 10 11 or 12 times EBITDA I don't care about anything else you know so I mean it, he was very you know back of the envelope with everything and it worked for him he was involved in some very very major deals and not that I, I was really hands on with any of it. You know, I did a little bit of help like finding party buyers for things, but not necessarily modeling or working on the a full pitch or presenting. But you, okay, or so because you got this,
0: you kind of, it sounds like you were naturally starting to network already with like your professors and stuff like that. Was that something that had been taught to you, or like who told you you had to start doing this stuff, or was it just a natural thing that occurred to you?
1: I, the finance professor at the school is really cool. I'm still friends with them. and. Yeah. engaged and getting married and he's coming to the wedding and yeah you know, so I'm like friends with him and like he was you know probably one of the better professors at the school and so I just kind of clung around him you know for mm-hmm. a bit and uh and, and so you know you just hang around people who have a, a mind for kind of something you want to do and and you learn so I, I don't know how to say it other than that yeah no you know, that's fair I like being around those type of people So you're kind of approaching, you did that
0: summer internship, we'll call it internships in quotes, but you did some work, but he was more mentoring you. That's great. Um, And it sounds like it was kind of during the school year too.
1: It was. Yeah. Yeah. So So. it was a part-time thing and I was, you know, President of an investment club and doing my whole thing was I just, you know, I I had had enough fun already and it was more time. It was time, you're getting nervous, like, how am I gonna pay for whatever when you grab? But I didn't know, I still didn't know. I wanted to be in investments, and like, so it's funny thinking back to like Northwestern, like, I had no idea what people in finance did, like, even at this time, like, even at that internship. I still, it took me like another year and a half before I really understood you know, what investment banking was or what sales and trading was or what research.
0: Do you think it's just a maturity thing? I think there's so many people like that in college who are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, finance, they're even finance. I think there's, sorry? Even finance majors. Like, I feel like half the time they're just like, oh yeah, yeah, I got it, I got it. But they really don't have it. They really actually don't know (laughs) the difference. Yeah,
1: well, I think there's, you know, you have your target schools where people are, you know, kind of definitely you know, surrounded by that, and then I mean, like my school, and there's probably more schools like mine and more candidates like me yeah. than the other way around. And we had, I mean, the finance professor I was alluding to, you know, he was just an incredibly wealthy individual from family businesses, successful family businesses, and he was investing in his own portfolio. Mm-hmm. And he got a PhD in econ or something, and that made him a teacher. So, you know, he was giving more life, you know, like, hey, here's how I manage my portfolio, you know, like here's what I do with, bond, you know, yada yada. But like he didn't break down like okay career track, banking, private equity. And you, you know. didn't you didn't have Wall Street Oasis yet, or
0: had you found it yet? I hadn't.
1: I had Wall Street time. Oasis came um, after I graduated.
0: Okay, so you are kind of um, you have that internship, which is great. It just makes you, your president, the president, you founded that club. You have an MA internship on your, so pretty good, pretty good yeah. start here. So you're, you're kind of, <laughs> approaching, you're approaching graduation and what's going on through your head. Like, I don't have a job. What's, are you
1: yeah. freaking out? Yeah. Well, or, so first are, well you are you parting on the side a little bit still in your senior year? I hope. No, I was taking extra, some extra classes. I added like a minor and um, we start, we actually turned the investment club into a fund. We raised money and like got wow. it from the school. And so like, that was me and, you know, my partner, um, uh, you know, in the program. Um, so, you know, we were really buckling down and working harder than, than ever, but, so I didn't realize how, first of all, good an m internship looked, you know, but, so it ended up being that, you know, I went to a career fair where there was no finance stuff, not even Northwestern Mutual for this one, and I walked up, I'm just talking to all the people at the booths and whatever, and, you know, one of them was, you know, a company that was owned by, a family office that I had known in the area. It's called Markville Capital. and um, I, I didn't know the term family office back then, but I thought it was just a private equity firm, you know, mm-hmm. from my eyes, you know, and a private investment firm. And so I, I said, hey, like, you know, I, they had the Markel Capital stuff. I was like, hey, is there any jobs at the Markville Capital? Not the company that was sitting there actually advertising. And they said no. And I pushed through it. And I said, can I talk to somebody? Can I talk to somebody? And after a couple of days, I got in touch with, um, the principal investor from the family office, um, and he they happened. To echo, he let's, let's rewind because that's really
0: interesting. Um, sorry, there's a little bit of echo. I don't know if that's uh, me, but it, basically, I'm curious to hear when you say they said no. There's no job in Mark Bell Capital. When you say you push through, why did why did you push on that specific instance? Because you knew it was like they were they were putting money to work, and you're like no,
1: right? because it was the only opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> like the only opportunity I'm sitting at related a job to to finance, for a school yeah. that doesn't place people in finance or investments and uh yeah this is as close as it could be and I and they said no and I said are you sure or no I said can I t- talk to somebody you know from the, and they said okay and you know after a couple emails back and forth it turned out the guy who was the principal was from my area in Connecticut and uh, not that we knew anybody in similar but he said he saw the internship experience which was internship yeah and uh, yeah. You know, just local, and I'm from his area. You want to come work part time? You know, like we got you 20 hours here, and I'm, yeah, I'll do whatever, whatever it takes. So you got a part time job as you graduated. And that was still while I was New working. Year. So I was working 20 hours, mm-hmm. running the starting starting up and running the investment fund and um and school. So. Oh, so for,
0: for the Mark Bell Capital, it was running the fund. So when you say running up a fund, tell me a little bit about that. So what do you that, mean?
1: That was the student managed investment fund. We okay. raised some monies and uh, we actually, it, it's unfortunate, we didn't get to make any trades because we were too busy kind of setting things up and mm-hmm. the money sitting there and your students are doing stuff with it now, but uh, not not my not my generation.
0: So as you're kind of approaching, so you have this other internship now, private equity analyst. Um, Well, yeah. yeah so when did you graduate and what was it the... When was the transition? Where you just worked so, straight through?
1: So I interned from January to September.
0: May.
1: Okay. It was January to May as an intern, and then okay. I recruited at other. You know, I, I used that experience to kind of like try and recruit other places. And the guy who I worked for there, who ended up being like a mentor to me, he said, "Go, go, like recruit, go interview, get the experience, and bring an offer, and maybe you'll get a counter. You know, from us or are you getting off from us?" And so I did, and, they offered me and so i worked for a couple months yeah as a full-time analyst
0: after that point do you mind sharing the pay or like what what were you getting before you graduated and then after like from intern to full-time was it okay pay like twenty. yeah bucks it was an like hour? 10 bucks
1: and 10 bucks an hour and then yeah. 40 like low 40s okay. and uh it was so short i didn't collect the bonus <laughs> yeah, yeah so, pay, so tell me
0: why it was so short from a few months just full-time or, you know just through the summer it looked like full-time
1: Yeah, so we invested in a private, they had done a private equity investment. um, And, you know, families are different from, you know, real private equity funds, you know, you have family constraints and and things and, you know, they hired a lot of people and they ended up needing to be kind of a downsizing, you know, internally, Um, you know, they kept running the business successfully after, but at that point, you know, they didn't foresee the need to do more. Private investing, and neither have an, an analyst on staff. So, you know, I was uh, there was no other junior people. It was the principal investor and the family member who ran it. And, um, and so, you were uh, the only one let
0: go, or was the principal investor investor guy let go too?
1: No, he wasn't, and he actually was, you know, kind of like a partner. In everything. So, you know, he was. That's kind
0: of it's kind of tough because did you have another offer to go somewhere else when you graduated?
1: No, so it's the thing. I mean, I got you're hired and I've done office. my, yeah, yeah it, it was really sad. I mean, uh, for me, but you know, to be honest, I look back and it's actually one of the best experiences that could have happened to me. I mean, um, I had saved a couple pennies from from that job, even though it wasn't a hundred thousand or whatever, you know, New York banking salary is. I saved what, a bit of money, so I was comfortable. What is forty dollars
0: an hour come out to be based on full time or what you're working? Forty thousand a year, oh, forty thousand a year, okay. Got it. So, okay. Yeah. So yeah, it was something so, that you put a little bit of money away over the summer as you're working there. And then as you you once you hear you're you're not gonna have a job, you know, what whatever, three, four months in, what do you start doing? What's your first thing when
1: they tell you, hey, well, there was account. no two weeks or anything. So it was unemployed that done. <laughs> it was like done. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't there was no warning uh, because I wasn't the only person. There was a couple of people from from the portfolio companies and whatnot. Um, but essentially, um, you know, what I did from there was, um, I did the, you know, call everybody in South Florida who worked in finance. So like, how'd you get that list? uh that was actually a wall street oasis list i believe it was forwarded to me from somebody maybe it wasn't wall street oasis but it was a list from you know provider you know and uh oh i know i there's a thread called like summer
0: internships by by region or something it's a crazy long thread and they have different regions so like florida was probably one of them or like boca raton or like it
1: was it was and so i I tried reaching out you know linkedin i went i went on google maps and like searched like investments for lauderdale like because like people don't list stuff the same way down here and so like you look on the map and see like, oh, like here's this firm that didn't show up, you know, and so call them. But it turns out, you know, a lot, like you you can do a lot of the networking, but speaking to people multiple times or having a close relationship with someone I think is far more important.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and that's what turned out helping me uh, kind of recover, I guess you could say, from, from unemployment. So um, That's what saved me. When you know, I it there. wasn't that long. <laughs> Yeah. I, I So for me, what ended up happening was, yeah. So, you know, for me, like having a close relationship with somebody, you know, turned out far better than calling, you know, the results I got from calling, you know, hundreds of people. So there was a couple of people I spoke to more than once and followed up with a couple of times within the span of a couple of weeks. And that's really actually how, you know, I had my success. Um, there was an investment bank, you know, kind of local to me. Um, there was one of the first things I hit, you know, on my reach out and i reached out to four or five people, some directors, a VP and the analysts and people in different divisions. And, you know, one guy got back to me. Um, it turns out it was like, this guy was like, a like my, my girlfriend's sisters, you know, friends, fiance or friend, boyfriend. I don't know. Anyways, it was a relationship to the grapevine. And, uh, so we ended up like speaking like a couple of times, like two or three times. And, you know, over six, seven weeks when I was, you know, employed, unemployed, unemployed, I, I, I talked to him three times, which, you know, for networking, I think is quite, a quite you know, a lot, I think. you yeah. know I think about it, you know, usually you speak to someone like once a month to what, you know, once every two months, three months, whatever. Um, so I stayed on top of him. And it's essentially what happened was he said to me, um, hey, I'm quitting this Friday. Uh, they need another analyst <laughs> and they don't know it yet. You mm-hmm. want the job. And uh, I said, of course. And so I came in, he, he gave them two day notice that day. He found me to replace him. Cause I talked to him. I said, I want this. I want this. And he had like, like if I didn't keep following with him, like I don't know that I would have gotten it. And like, why, you know, why did you know to be
0: so aggressive? What made you so comfortable being that aggressive? Cause don't, don't you feel like, he was working in one of the few places that was like an actual banking job down there.
1: Yeah. And
0: so like, what did you worry about like burning bridges? Why weren't you like networking with people up in New York?
1: Yeah. So I, I was trying to start a life down here. You know, okay. I had a, a girlfriend and uh, to be honest, you know, I, like I didn't come from like this, like whole finance background, like it, it kind of fallen in, fallen to me, I guess you could say. So it's not like, I knew that this MA internship was that great or, you know, working in the family office was like all that. Like, to me, I had a job in investing and I had a lot of fun. And, you know, so to me, it wasn't, I didn't make the connection at that point that I could go recruit in New York even. Like, yeah. And You're just like, honest, you just like, said, hey, I'm, I'm going to yeah,
0: keep looking for a job around here. Cause that's what yeah. I want to be. And that's the reality of it. You didn't think, hey, let me go uh, open up my options. It probably would have been your next step if you had kept striking out.
1: Um no, so I actually yeah. was gonna give up the search. And so you know part of the reason why I was so aggressive with people, and I don't want to say I was aggressive because I thought it was a nice person, but like it was aggressive yeah. in a sense. But I had a um I had a timetable. I had only saved up so much money. And so uh it's at that same time as I was reaching out to him, I was actually starting because I had two I told him two months uh and I had to have a job. Um and so I was starting to schedule interviews for like financial planning and analysis. It's not that that's a a bad thing, you know, but like mm-hmm. it wasn't the target. I gave myself two months to hit and I was doing practicing modeling, you know. Um, you know, I was really gearing up to try and be in some kind of um, I don't call high finance job of some sort, mm-hmm. um, you know, practicing interviews, ne- the networking stuff. And so I was in starting to interview at other places. I've interviewed like as a pricing analyst, you know, which which is actually kind of cool, but like you know, not what I wanted, like cool, a bunch of different things, and so. Um, it just turned out to be, you know, that these guys needed, needed somebody, somebody you knew was leaving. And, uh, how did you keep, how did you keep,
0: how did you keep following up with this person and make it seem like you had hadn't just talked to them two weeks before? How did, how did you keep bringing up new things? Was it that he wasn't being responsive every time? And so you would just lob in another email every two weeks or was it, Hey, let's get on another call. Like, didn't he feel like after the second call or third call? wasn't he like, that's enough, man. Like I've already told you everything. Or did he kind of start giving you hints? No. So I had,
1: I had the first call and it was nice. And he said, yeah, just follow up. And so I just followed up. And I I think the second email, he went back and forth said, Hey man, I'm busy. I can't talk right now or something. And then the third, I said, I I said, Hey, can we talk? And he said, sure. Or maybe that was even at that point. I think I was text. I sent him a text. I said, Hey, like you're around to talk. You know, I want to just see if there's anything that's opened up or whatever. And, uh, and, he just called me or whatever and was like, Hey, like, this is what's happening. Uh, yeah. So it was pretty cool. It's, you know. So how did he, uh, sell, how
0: did he sell you to that? Because you're like, Hey, I give you two days notice and I have, but I have a guy for you. Well, to
1: me? be honest, I mean, there was a, you know, it wasn't, it's not the most attractive, attractive opportunity. You know, uh, there was, uh, I had to start out as an intern again, mm-hmm. you know, so they, they were very much, on this this firm was very much more about like getting to know you over a little period of time for before giving you a full time offer. You know, like right. I didn't have opportunity to, to you know intern with them over a summer or anything, so like it was very hard to gear that up quickly. So I actually worked as an unpaid intern for uh, thirty days. You know, so I. They so you said, basically had your bank account was at zero, basically. By the, end of that. by the end of the thirty days, well, I told them basically this was what I told them. I said um I'm happy they because they said you're going to be an intern I said okay and but what was my hourly and they said zero and and so I said okay I can do that for a month like after a month like if you don't like me I'm gone I'll, I'll go find something else to do and it won't work so it's uh you know to get in you know and I was fine doing that as I said I saved up enough just to kind of skate through but uh, it was close did you so, actually- I was recruiting at the same time too, so like I actually had other things going at the same time, so if that had fallen through, there were a couple of things that were actually just as interesting, not say banking but other like real estate investment things so actually just- so anyway, so
0: tell me a little bit about the actual um the actual just like one month, thirty days thing. How did you? Was it long hours? Were you just? How did you make a good impression? Because obviously they extended you the full time offer and you ended up there for almost two years. So tell me how that. How did you kind of approach those thirty days? Was it just like get in super early, stay super late, ask for work? What did you do? What was the attitude?
1: It was a hundred percent that I was. It was a firm where there wasn't a lot of middle, so there wasn't. A, at that point, there was no other associate. You had a couple like VP directors and then MDs, and I made myself like full frontal to the m- most senior people and to the people local who were called decision makers. This was a, it, this was a privately owned company, mm-hmm. so it's not like it was widely held with a number of partners. There was one owner really, and um, he had bankers that he really liked and had good relationships with, and those people were in his ear, and he became friends with them. I guess you know, or not friends necessarily, but like. Uh, you became close and you made yourself aware. Um, so there there was partly that. And then, you know I also came up with some like creative ideas on how to improve the 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 current business. They hadn't been doing they had been doing um, quarterly industry reports for one of the divisions that they covered, you know one of the, uh, the coverage groups, but not the financial resources, uh, which is where I got staff. And so I said, hey, let's start doing these. And so I set the whole quarterly report up and this was in the first 30 days. I set the quarterly report up. I mean, there was a lot of Capital IQ plugins, whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I tried to improve
0: the business and I think that
1: went a long way. Well,
0: cool. So then they give you an offer. Is it in the similar salary range, 50K, 60K? A little under. A little under. <laughs> we
1: live in Florida. You no live in Florida. Tax. No, you know, I tax. get tax. it. We, uh, yeah.
0: So, okay. So you're, but you're just happy. You have a job. You can pay the bills at this point. So happy. And so at this point you're like, I got a job. I'm happy. Um, what's your thought process as you kind of extend, you get, get to your first year. Are you thinking buy side, I got to get back. I want to do, be more an investor. When, what does real estate peak your interest? Tell me kind of how things progress through those two years.
1: Yeah, so the first year was just learning. I, you know, learned how to be really proficient in modeling, um, re- natural the both. I did do a little bit outside of natural resources, but pr- predominantly what I did was you know oil and gas, mining, and some transportation like marine shipping. Mm-hmm. So I became incredibly proficient in like modeling, like three statements, and um, just understanding you know financials, you know certifications and all that, um, and. I, I think I tried to learn the industry lingos a lot. And so like terminologies and be really like under understand. And so like, I actually, after four or five, six months, I got involved with a lot of client calls, client meetings. And by the end of the first year, I could, they actually were able to leave me in the room with clients and I could like understand their business models. And when they said, you know, certain you know things like, you know, BOE equivalent or, you know, um, how many wells we're gonna drill this year or this land package, you know, this spacing, Mm -hmm. I could understand it all and Mm -hmm. and have a conversation around it. And so it being at this was a very small firm. This was 40 people and the banking staff was probably 15. So you know being at the small firm, I got a lot of really high level exposure, which for me progressed progressed my career very very fast not necessarily monetarily but you know from a skill level and just being able to sit in front of a senior person
0: um, super valuable experience for somebody who's only been on the job for a year to be left alone with the client like that tell me were, were the bonuses like tiny were they like five thousand you know two thousand dollars for like a thing or like were there no yeah was it? it was tiny it
1: was, yeah. i mean like by comparison to what your viewers expect it's uh, yeah it's so okay like, so, you're, for, you're, so who's giving it they were very happy to be giving it to me yeah. So, um, but you didn't
0: expect that. Cause you know, you're in a very low cost of living area. It's like, you're learning, you're happy with the job. So why, why even jump? Why not just stay on? It sounds like you're kind of filling in a nice middle, middle management role. You could have been like promoted to associate or whatever.
1: Yeah. So for me, I think what happened was, uh, I think I started getting too much skill too quickly and it kind of hit me in the butt. And so like, not to say that I'm like, you know I was like the most senior person in the room, but like, the end of the first year I was like sitting around the table and we we're talking about like strategy and like, what do we want to achieve for the year and like setting goals for our staff. And I think we got six months into the, the year and like, you know, we were getting like, about three or four months in at this point And like, I didn't see any progress. I wasn't like, we weren't adding like tons of new clients, you know, like we had our old clients and we weren't really breaking out. It was like, we want to do IPO. We want to do these different things. And we didn't nece- I didn't necessarily see some steps getting there. Um, and so, like, I felt like I was, as an analyst or whatever, you know, I was doing a lot of heavy lifting, far beyond what an analyst should be doing. An analyst should be sitting back, listening, learning. Not you were, like,
0: trying to drive the whole business forward, and, like, you you realize you're, like, no one's actually taking the reins here.
1: Yeah, uh, it was a bit of that. So, I mean, yeah. a, there were certain uh, directors would, you know, obviously do a good job with clients. They'd identify certain business, but it wasn't, like, uh, a real uh a lot of push and it's and we're in small and micro cap companies so you have a lot of ground to cover so it's very hard to know if you're covering good clients or bad clients but you have your time you can't double yourself as a director so it's it's hard yeah so anyways the business you know um for me i learned quite a bit about um but just business in general um from being in there and trying to grow something grow a platform so um i did see it slow and for me, I wanted to find something that was growing and and also to be uh being a principal investor, I think that to me meant a lot and you kind of control your destiny a lot more, I think you know, being an active being an active investor so, so
0: as that first year you were learning a lot thats that's that second year, it sounds like you were kind of getting a little bit of um an itch to kind of move move to your next thing so how did you approach that kind of that search now from a position of more strength ideally not not unemployed this time around um how did you approach it was it just more linkedin just start opening up the same kind of conversations um or did you kind of slow play it longer waiting for the right opportunity did you have something about like the interviews you did were there any like crash and burns or did you like were you <laughs> were you getting multiple offers but what is what was that all like
1: yeah, no, so to, for me, actually, I wanted to stay in South Florida. Um, I was kind of doing this in parallel with studying for the CFA, which, um, yeah, I was taking level one at the time and um, at and work. And so I really didn't have that much time. I didn't dedicate a lot of time to outreach. I did actually a lot of like LinkedIn uh, applications and like, well, someone half asked it. Um, mm-hmm. You know and then I worked with a lot of recruiters, um, you know without going into the names, you know a couple of them right, I think they, they rank you know in tier two and three and no, none of the elites elite, but mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. some good recruiters I, I like the people I worked with um, and you know so they put some jobs, you know, typical private equity. Um, my resume didn't get a lot of hits on those just simply because you know I didn't have like a corporate I was doing natural resources model. And there's no oil wells or gold mines down in South Florida, really. So, you know, that didn't didn't necessarily hit. I that was the first stop. I really tried to make a push into traditional PEM. That wasn't uh, wasn't going to be a fit. It seemed like. I'm sure they kept trying to throw Houston jobs at you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did get some. So I did interview. I did interview outside, like outside of Florida. I didn't want to leave, but um, I did take a couple interviews with some other middle market banks, uh, BMO, Baird. Mm-hmm. a couple others uh those progressed um i i ended up you know kind of passing on them because i got through a couple stages and i, I really said you know i'm really not going to leave i'm going to stay here but what am i doing so anyways I, it was good to know that i could get through some interviews you know, but you know for me it wasn't where i wanted um there was a couple of you really love
0: you really love south florida
1: everyone's going to be living here soon until we're underwater you know, it's gonna be underwater. It's gonna be like Atlantis here. You're gonna see all these like, you know, very stern-looking skyscrapers and like, you know, related group skyscrapers, skyscrapers down here, and it's all gonna be underwater. Yeah. So, you know, uh, no, Florida's great, but um, so, yeah, I uh, for me, I want to stay down. I ended up interviewing with a couple of real estate groups, a couple of direct lenders, you know, like uh, credit funds called like that. Um, the credit funds I got through a couple rounds of interviews and it was kind of at the same time as uh, a couple of the real estate in, in interviews. And one of them was the firm. I ended up accepting the offer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everybody had kind of tests, you know, at some point, um, you know, there, I think I went through two or three rounds. I did like, for the company who ended up hiring me, I did like a, I did like a modeling test. It was like a two hour long time test. Um, and then I did, um, like a whole presentation. So like a I two had two hour like, modeling. You some, like
0: What were you doing in that? Like building a three statement model, like they gave you a case and you had to just
1: build up projections and different scenarios and stuff. No, this was actually a very interesting one. So they gave you like parts of the financials and they gave you parts of information and like, you would have to fill in everything. So you'd have to know a little bit about, and this was like real estate, like a real estate deal, not necessarily like a REIT. Mm-hmm. So like you had to know parts of real estate. You had to know, financials like so like, there was like things on um you know uh, tax liabilities and, and like stuff like that there was things on occupancy and there's things on like NOI and cap rates and mm-hmm. uh, different valuations and knowing if something is intrinsically like va- like under or overvalued like so like you have to I, need a, I need
0: to uh, get that i need to get that case study from you if you still have it i'll pay you for it for our for day <laughs> modeling course it sounds awesome um yeah. because we're we're uh we have a bunch of of cases already in there, but that's that one sounds pretty cool because it's like a mix it's like a puzzle almost. yeah, like it's it's a really good one. So we could change uh, it. We could change it and we hide it uh, if they're willing to share or change the name, so it's not <laughs> yeah,
1: we can we can discuss. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um so you yeah, know that uh, that was the first step. The second step was they, um they gave me a public company, a public reIT um and i had to build like a an investment thesis around it and figure out you know would it be a good opportunity to invest in one of the one of the principles of the firm i worked for was head of acquisitions at a shopping center rate that would own minority pieces of companies so they would go buy like 20 or 40 percent of this company 20 40 percent of that company and so like but in the public market so to say and so like you know it was kind of through that lens he gave me said you know let me know if you think it'll be worth us taking a look at doing you know a, a minority investment in this company and um and so I, I gave them my analysis it ended up being like somewhat in the ballpark uh, it wasn't it wasn't perfect I guess it was better than whoever else was interviewing because I got the job but uh yeah uh, Me a little bit more about that. So you're saying he was
0: asking you if the if a minority owned, like looking at other REITs, like what do you mean? buying them up publicly in public.
1: We raise a fund, right? Mm -hmm. And we're investing in different things. You can buy direct property, or you could buy like a lot of real estate investors did this year, which was buy stocks and companies or buy their own publicly owned stuff, whatever. Yeah. But um, yeah, so we look he was saying like we would go raise money like for private equity style money to go buy a piece of the public equity of a REIT. And so this was a, a multifamily REIT, um, an apartment REIT. And it was basically saying, okay, like, um, you know, is, is it worth taking ownership in this business? Like, is this business today fairly valued? You know, or is it, is it undervalued, overvalued? Um, and to be honest, at that point, I really didn't have enough, like, you know, workings of, like, net asset value really grasp it i did like a whole thing on comps and like on a comp basis it worked like Mm -hmm. you know like i spread the comps you could say so uh (laughs) but like that a couple like traditional traditional like banking valuation methods i've learned it seemed fairly valued and it it seemed like like an interesting investment opportunity compared to its peers and so you know i pitched it on that basis and like i missed the point that like on a net asset like what the real estate was worth versus what the, 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 the RE was valued at in the public markets, it was like undervalued and like, you know, we should buy it all day long, you know, something like that. That was really what he was looking for.
0: Interesting. So you still got the job. Tell me how, um, you know, you've been there for now almost but in your third year. So did you, and you got promoted. So tell me, things are obviously going well. Yep. What's the, you know, real estate private equity? how should the listeners think about that or your job specifically? Um, is it a, is a typical private equity fund where there's, you know, you guys are serving as the GP, the general partner, and there's uh, limited partners who've, you guys have raised an actual
1: fund. Yep. So we, we, I would say to the listeners, there's two types of real estate private equity firms out there. Really, that you need to think about, and there's operator, funds and then you have like real private equity funds where you're actually the allocator and so you know different groups have different things like you think about like gray star for example which you know someone's probably everyone's lived in one of their apartments if you, don't, you know so you know they have an internal acquisitions team all they do is buy a multifamily, uh, essentially you know and so they have you know private funds that's that's all they do and so you could technically be in a real estate private equity arm of gray star and be you know you have your internal operations and all that. And there's more what we do, which is invest with other operators or partner with other operators. And so we don't actually have an internal operating capacity. We don't do our own property management, which is like the key thing in real estate is like, you know, do you do your own property management or do you outsource it or how does that work? You know, do you third party it? Do you have them invest with you? But, um, you know, we always partner with an an experienced operator that, um, you know, invests a lot of money in all the deals that we do. So. We, we know they have skin in the game. Um, and that's the side I'm on. And so, you know, I think it, it's very interesting. Um, you know, our firm does, a, you know, a lot of equity. We, we've also looked at debt investments. Um, and so, you know, when you're on this side of private equity, things can be a lot, I think, maybe a little bit more interesting when you're in acquisitions role within an operator like Graystar. All you're going to do is look at multifamily. And most likely, it's only going to be in three or four cities. And so you're going to get to know those cities really well. And you know which hotels are are great there. but uh, um, you know when you're on kind of my side of the aisle, I think um, you get to see a lot of different asset classes. So you know thus far in my career, I've underwritten and looked at deals in pretty much every type of real estate in most states across the country, of many different property ages and different parts of the capital stack. And so you know, to me, that's very interesting. like it always keeps me going. I've heard people burn out from the typical acquisition job where you're just looking at one thing. You know, there was a, a girl who was at the same school as me who worked at a really prominent real estate private equity fund name, won't name it, but you know, she was an acquisitions person within one real estate property type. And she just couldn't do it anymore. She said, I have to move out. I need to move into a whole different, I don't really want to do real estate anymore because this is <laughs> like, I, I'm intellectually stimulated by new things. And this is not that stimulating. It's the same thing every time. Every time.
0: Interesting. Yeah. That's, it's a really good point. Do you feel like with uh do you feel like with, you know, your, your time there, has the learning curve started to flatten out and, um, it sounds like since you're given the the optionality of being able to look up and down the capital stack, there's that which is interesting in all the different deal structures, but there's also you're, you have a lot to learn there, but then also learning all the different asset classes on top of all that. there's just a lot of different combinations and and everything which makes it kind of interesting every day, I guess.
1: Yeah, it's very interesting. I think I have a good sense I, I may not be as deep as that acquisitions person, like if I underwrote a deal in you know multifamily deal in Charlotte. North Carolina, I don't think I would get anywhere near as close to the final purchase price as the acquisitions person from our partner group that really just knows that market. You know, they're going to be a lot more dialed in there. Um, I'm going to be able to understand their underwriting pretty well. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I mean, I just, I'm not going to be that close. We're talking about a couple hundred thousand, maybe, you know, dollars off, which at the end of the day, I mean, that's who wins and loses. But um, I, I, as far as a breath goes, you know, going across the country, being able to look at different things, you know, I think, especially being junior in my career still, I think gives you that optionality. And also, also when you look at a deal and it's like, Hey, this one pencils up to 10, and it's an office deal in Atlanta. And it's like, Hey, here's a multifamily deal in Charlotte pencils up to 12, like gives you a idea of what's going on in the world and what your LPs are thinking. And I don't know. So for me, I've enjoyed it a lot. How about pay? Is it, has it improved a lot, or? Yeah, at <laughs> the buy side you know when you're at a growing, when you're at a growing firm, a small growing firm, you know we're a couple employees here, smaller as a firm from the last company I worked at, but as far as like trajectory goes, I think it's pretty solid. Um, you mind sharing uh,
0: base or range or anything like that, or bonus? Is a bonus? Yeah, in like- all
1: in, all in cash is you know low hundreds, hundred you know, plus a little around there. And, but, you know, again, being at a small firm, there's not a lot of mouths to feed. And so I actually have a fair amount of promote or, you know, carried interest. So, you know, for me, it's explain to, to the listeners off.
0: how you're able to calculate what, what that might actually be worth the promoter, the carried interest. Cause I know some people get confused with that. Do you have a certain way to think about it? Are you, are you assuming like the the funds under management assets under management? double in a certain amount of time or the, the fund doubles rather you return a 2x a 1.5x how are you thinking about that in terms of how you calculate your promoter carry
1: yeah so i the way i think about it is we have a fund target you know and i'm privy to that you know we're targeting 12 to 13 percent gross and so this is on specifically one of our funds we have many funds but you know for example i, I have a piece of one fund mm-hmm. and so you know i know what the target is i know what those deals are looking like because i'm involved in them to some extent and so, you know, I build a model that goes out seven to 10 years because that's the range of the funds. So it's either seven or 10. And I run the waterfall, right? Um, you know, what the net proceeds to the GPR through the promote or the carried interest. And then I apply my percentage and, and I, I take an NPV on that and, you know, compare that would to what that would be to a cash comp today. And typically it's been pretty interesting.
0: Do you mind sharing what uh, your, your carry is for different funds or like what? Cause as an analyst or an associate, is that new? Or they gave they gave you that promote right after, right as an analyst. And then was it more like, Hey, you get it if you stay kind of thing, or is it um, like, is there a four year, it's, it's paid out as you, as it comes in kind of thing. And if you're around, you get it.
1: Yeah. So it's um, no, so it's, it's this, I, I got it as my first year as an analyst. Mm-hmm. I got more this year. Um, and it is on a, um, a vesting schedule, a four-year vesting schedule, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, for me, I mean, you know, so the first year I'm halfway vested this year, I'm a quarter vested. And, you know, so each year, you know, it it more and more vests. And, um, and so, you know, I, I know I think if I stay longer, I'll get more into it. Um, but basically, you know, I've gotten a quarter point. Of the overall promote and so, you know this is a seven-year vehicle and just you know straight lining that, assuming it doesn't even grow, you know that you know quarter point you know after seven years you know gets to be a, a nice number. And this is in one vehicle and so you know we're in the process of doing a couple of vehicles and so you get a quarter point in like three or four different things and you get a quarter point for every year in those and
0: and eventually it gets to half a point and then should they give you a full point or a couple of points? If
1: that I mean, yeah I mean that that would be that would be pretty great but uh, yeah. You know <laughs> I've seen a lot of assumptions, you know optimistic assumptions in my day and then and a lot of those go not work out so i'm going I'm going underwrite it you know I, as you could say in a conservative manner and I'll oh look, I do it, I do it, and I also do a kind of a downside case on the funds and I stress the our exit cap rates our, our exit values you could say the terminal value in in our deals and our funds and, and say, okay, like say we were targeting a twelve but we actually had a nine or hurdle is an eight, what does that like one percent actually give us? You know, uh how much do I make? And like that's a pretty sad number, but it's still something. <laughs> uh, you know, sure. but the you know, you, you roll the dice and and you know, that's why I'm in the business. I mean I i was allowed to invest in the funds. I did, you know, and uh I'll continue to I think that's a great thing that I have access to. It's like kind of like a bond investment, you know, if you will, buying the real estate we buy. So not too risky.
0: Yeah, but you, there's some sort of preferred return associated with that or whatever. No, that's I'm yeah. a typical LP in the fund too. Okay. Okay. So, you know, looking back at this, you've kind of had a, you had a kind of a, what I'll call like a false start coming out of school with the getting fired pretty quickly um, of no fault <laughs> yeah. of your own and kind of just barely kind of scratching your way into IB and then the transition to the buy side to real estate private equity. Throughout all that, even though it's only about five or four or five years out of school, like looking back at all that so far, what would you say is kind of been key? Or is it just kind of just as things come, you just try your best? Like LinkedIn, what's been the most useful tool and what's been the most useful kind of a hack looking back?
1: I think it's a combination. I'll give you two or three things. You know, one I think is. Always try and be, you know, at your firm or wherever you are, in front of the most senior people, and try and learn the most. You know, so whether that's learning the technical skills so that you can pick up any model and do anything with it, that's important. But also learning the soft skills, which are in finance probably even more important. Um, picking up those soft skills around very senior people is incredibly important. And to be honest, if you're an in investment bank and you're working at a great shop, you're in front of probably the most talented soft skill people in the world. So you know, you have no shortage of you know, if you can get the exposure, get it. I'd say that, you know, that's one, you know, and that will progress you personally. Two, as far as like getting out there, you know, and meeting people, you know, LinkedIn is is fantastic. And, and in all honesty, I've fielded, you know, a number of, you know, just people outreaching to me. The person who I who actually filled my spot at the investment bank, I did the same thing as the guy who hired me. I, I got a guy from Minnesota who would work for free. He flew from Minnesota, Um to this investment bank work there. And now he's in New York City at the Middle Market Bank and he's doing great. So, you know, I think, you know, being on LinkedIn as a giver and a provider, you know, as, as a giver and a taker, I think is important being part of the community, like helping people, but also, you know, being out there and, and getting help, you know, whether it's thinking about jobs or school, like I was considering a master's degree and I reached out to four people, you know, at the desired schools and, you know, those people, you know, told me what I, what I needed to know, you know, about the program, which you don't get on the website. So. The networking is always important. Um, And I think, you know, the last thing is being a genuine person, you know, just having good character traits about you, hardworking, um, show up first, leave last. Those those kind of things sit well with people. And so, you know, building yourself as a character, as a role player in an organization, I think will take you places. And when you're sitting in an interview, I think it'll kind of vault you above others. So. Great. I love it.
0: Well, we can end it there. John, thanks so much for, uh, for sharing your wisdom and, and all your advice for, for the young listeners here. And uh, if anyone wants to get a mentor session, John is available as part of our Wall Street Mentors. So check them out. Thanks
1: Thank for you. the plug. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Patrick. And
0: thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. Until next time.